Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Mitch, and I am one of the pastors here at Dural. And in the pastor's desk, for those who don't know, I put a little sneaky sentence that said, Rachel's in hospital with pneumonia. Now, rather than tell the story 500 times to everyone, so Rachel is currently, she's still in hospital, she's on oxygen because she can't breathe without oxygen properly. So she's getting a chest x-ray today to see how much longer she'll be in hospital. So she's been in since Monday, what's today, Sunday, so about a week. Yeah, so it's been fun of a newborn. So I have some very good parents. Oh, my mum was up the back, she's disappeared. So my mother and my father are here today and my mother-in-law have been helping out. So that's kind of where we are. So I have appreciation for you mothers who have to get up every three hours and feed. It's, yeah, pretty tiring. And I'm not doing any work. I'm either using express breast milk or formula. So that's kind of where we're at, at the, with the Levingston clan. But anyway, moving on, that life is life and we continue on we press on and for those of you who are new today welcome to the center dural and we are beginning a new series we're looking at the great commission from matthew chapter 28 okay as a center what is our mission our mission is making jesus the center and keith can you click to the next slide please and our vision is making jesus a center through play prayer and presence now when we as a team came up with this this whole this idea of making jesus a center riffing it off the, our name the center and this idea of play prayer and presence in the back of our mind was the great commission on my part what we have been called to do what jesus called every single christian to do is to go out and make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and the Holy Spirit. And they teach them all Jesus' commandments. And there's that promise, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Keith, if you could flick to the next slide, please. Now, actually, we'll go to the next one. Yeah, perfect. Now, what we're going to do with the Great Commission, we're going to break it into four parts. We're going to look at, this week, Jesus' authority. Next week, we're going to look at going out and making disciples, what that means. Third week, we're going to look at baptizing and teaching. And from that week, we're going to actually give an encouragement for people who want to get baptized because we have a couple of baptismal candidates who will be getting baptized the following week. And then we'll finish off our series with Jesus' promise and presence. Now, as always, I like to get some audience participation. Oh, these projectors are terrible. You can barely read that. Now look at this one. Okay, let's read here from verse, verse 16. What's it say here? Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, what do you notice in these passages? What stands out? Don't be shy. 11, yeah, 11. That's a big one. It's always been 12. There's 11. Something else. What else stands out? 
It should have a few alarm bells ringing. Some doubt it. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Some doubt it. So some worshipped and some doubted. Now, this is no accident. When, we, when you read the Gospels, we often just pick out a verse randomly, don't we? And we go, oh, I like this verse, I'm going to read it. But see, the Bible has to be read as a big whole, and Matthew's Gospels is no exception. When you start reading from Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, you're meant to read it all the way through to chapter 28, verse 20, as a whole narrative. And so hear this reference here to, in verse 17, when they saw him, some worshipped him, but some doubted. That is not a random little addition Matthew has put in. He's done that there very strategically for a reason. Now, I won't get you to flick to the next slide because, no, no, leave it, leave it, because the projector's playing up a bit. Can anyone think of a time in Matthew's gospel where the disciples worshipped and doubted? Anyone think of that? Time of doubt and worship. Anyone think? Yeah? Anyone know? Have a guess? Pardon? Peter. Brilliant. Fantastic. Peter, full marks. HD. Next slide, thanks. Keith, is that? It's Peter. So this is very deliberate here. So it's showing us something here that the disciples here, they don't have perfect faith. The disciples aren't all, you know, they're not superhumans. They're not super faithful Christians. But that doesn't worry Jesus. If we can flick to the next slide, thank you. See, in every other gospel, to prove the validity of Jesus' resurrection, um, in, say, in say Mark, Jesus appears to the disciples to, you know, who doubt his resurrection. In Luke, he eats food to prove he's not a ghost. He lets them see and touch him. In John, he tells Thomas, hey man, come here, poke me. Look at this. I actually died. I'm resurrected. But Matthew, Matthew is different. Matthew doesn't have the disciples poking Jesus, doesn't have the disciples having food with him. Instead, in Matthew, to overcome their doubt, he writes how they met Jesus on a mountain. And Jesus makes a promise and a declaration. If we could have the next slide. And that promise and de- of declaration is, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you are doubting, friends, if you are doubting about who Jesus is, this is a bold, bold claim. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is what God can claim. Jesus making this huge declaration. If you have any doubt, remember this. Now, this just didn't come out. This just didn't plop out of the sky. This is related to a whole bunch of Old Testament texts. And, yep, next slide. Keith, you're going to start guessing. And because we've only got 15 minutes left, you're going to have to listen to banter. And Murray and I will figure out how we're going to do banter this week and me and out of hospital. But today we're going to look at two things, oh, yeah, two things in particular from the Old Testament. Adam's commission to rule and subdue the earth, and Daniel chapter 7, and the Son of Man. If you want to learn about the rest of those things, Noah, Abraham, Canaan, Conquest, Moses, Joshua, Psalm 8, 
King Cyrus. Listen in to banter. So there's a plug there for the podcast. But let's jump into the Genesis text. So we have a bit of background to where this is. Now in Genesis, when God creates man and the woman, they're made in His image. And He says something quite remarkable here. This is in verse 20. He says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now I have a question for you, which is going to come up. Next slide. From that statement that God says, who rules over the world? Who rules over the earth? Who do you think it is? Pardon? God, no, no. Who rules over? What did God say? Man. Yeah, man. People. People rule over the world. That's remarkable. God's the Mac. He's in charge over everything. But the earth he gives to humans. Now, Classic passage, Genesis chapter 3. We all know this. Eve listening to the serpent. Now, pretend for a moment you don't know about the New Testament. Okay? This is important. Let's read chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Who is talking here? Is it a human Or is it an animal? An animal, okay? Now, remember what God said? Rule over the fish, rule over the animals, rule over the world. Okay, who does Eve listen to? She listens to the snake. Okay, now you've got to remember from the text, we know we know it's Satan, but from a textual point of view, it's a serpent. So humans have been called to rule over the animals. Instead, they listen to the serpent. What that does is it flips. It flips the authority of the world or the earth's ownership from humans to animals. And so next slide, please. And so with that curse God puts on upon the man and the woman and the serpent, there's a hint, a hint of hope. It says here in Genesis 3, So Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and all wild animals, you will crawl on your belly, you'll eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and hers. He will crush your head. You will strike his heel. Okay. Essentially, that's like basically the plot of the whole Bible. Who is the seed that's going to come on? It's essentially what the Old Testament's trying to answer, that question. Who is going to be the seed of this Woman, who is going to be the one to crush the head of the serpent? Now we jump forward to the book of Daniel. Daniel is very, very complex. We're not going to get into it. But in the, keep in the back of your mind what I said about humans, animals. Daniel sees this vision. Now see, in my vision at night, I looked in there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, four great beasts, each different from the others came up out of the sea. Who is coming out of the sea? Animals. Are you starting to get the pattern? And who's supposed to rule over the earth? Humans. All right. And then we keep going. Daniel sees something quite remarkable. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. 
he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given, and this is important for our text in Matthew, authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples and every language worship him. His dominion was an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Boom. That's what Jesus is referring to. That kind of quick tour through the Old Testament, that's critical to understanding our passage in Matthew. This is what Jesus claimed. He is reclaiming the lost authority of humans. He is now the ultimate human, the one to rule over the earth. And if we get to Matthew's gospel, we have a kind of Adam versus the serpent round two. I always found this funny until I understood this Old Testament background when the devil takes him to the high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all this I will give to you if you'll bow down and worship. You think Satan couldn't claim that. You see, he could. And Jesus overcame that. And because Jesus overcame that temptation, because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus is resurrected, he can now claim that authority over heaven and earth. And friends, you all know something utterly remarkable. And go to the next slide. You know what Jesus does? He doesn't just do it by himself. He calls us. Us. Just like when God created Adam and Eve and said, hey, you guys, rule over the earth, rule over the fish, rule over the birds, rule over the wild animals. Jesus gives us, say, I guess for lack of a better word, a Adamic commissioning. We have that. We are called to be Jesus' hands and feet, to transform this world to what Jesus wants for it. Man, what a remarkable privilege. What a remarkable calling. When we talk about mission, we're not just talking about going overseas and going on fun mission trips. We're talking about bringing God's rule and reign to a place, places like prison, places like just our next-door neighbours, our workplaces, anywhere. This is what the call is, to let the world know Jesus' authority over the heavens and the earth. But if we can skip forward to the... Two slides, please, Keith. Oh, we've done that. But this is a tension. I don't even know if this is a real word. A paradoxical. No, I just made it up this week while sitting in hospital. Jesus' authority. It's a paradox. What's this image from? Anyone know? Yeah, Revelation. How is Jesus a lion and a lamb? And it's, uh, this is a tension that I've often wrestled with is that Jesus, you, you have authority over all this world. Yet, terrible things happen. And I can't grasp that. And God's wiser and more knowledgeable than I am. But I can fall back into knowledge. Well, if Jesus has all authority over heaven and the earth, if I know that Jesus lived, died, is resurrected, if I know the truth of that, then I know the truth that he will come back to restore this world. I don't know, there's no other hope for this world. If I want to pack in my faith because I'm going through a difficult week with my wife in hospital and having to feed a newborn, well, what other hope am I going to rest on? Nothing. A hope is on the authority of Jesus. And friends, I love what St. Augustine said about 1,600 years ago when the Visigoths 
sacked Rome, many people thought this is the end of the world. Life as we know it has fallen apart. Rome was the eternal city. They thought, well, this, if Rome falls, the world must come to an end. And Augustine wrote, ah, if you want to read it, it's a very, very long read, but a great book, The City of God. And essentially, he said, hey, you know what? Like, there's a cure. It's not in Rome lasting forever. It's in the kingdom of heaven. Nations rise and fall, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And to summarize a 2,000-page book, he says, the cure we can offer, preach the gospel and implement it. So encouraged. In the midst of the world being turned upside down, keep on proclaiming the gospel. Keep showing the world the authority of Jesus. Now, I just didn't come up with that idea of connecting uh, the Great Commission and Peter's lack of faith walking on water. I have to give credit where credit is due, and it was a German New Testament theologian by the name of Gunther, I can't even pronounce this properly, Bordkam. Sorry, Gunther, if I pronounced your name wrong. But he made this link here. I just love this quote, what he says here, about what the church is calling. It says, The boat in which the disciples were huddled with Jesus' sleep is the little boat of the church. The winds and the waves represent threatening horrors. The distress is involved in discipleship. Jesus is not physically in the boat, but outside the boat, in the midst of the wind and waves in the world where evil forces are threatening the church. Amen. Amen. Isn't that just a fantastic promise to remember? Ultimately, too, you know, in this strange roundabout way, the disciples' doubt, it's actually a little bit comforting. You know why? Guess why? Because Jesus doesn't wait or require for us to be perfect. The disciples certainly weren't perfect, and Peter, and imagine that. Imagine being able to step out in a boat and just walk upon water. What a remarkable feat to do. Yet he doubted. But Jesus doesn't hold that doubt against them. Matthew's gospel, that's, that's how it ends. There's some of them are worshipping, some of them are doubting. But he still calls them. He still trusts them that they will overcome their fear. They'll overcome their doubt in fulfilling what Jesus has called them to. And you feel that way, you feel like, ah, I can't really do that. That's not my thing. I'm not a good speaker, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I haven't gone on a mission trip. I can't fulfill this. Remember that. Remember those 11 men who went onto that mountain, saw everything that Jesus did, and still doubted. If God called them and used them, and if we can stand here in Sydney, Australia, some 2,000 years later, so far removed from Jerusalem, see that God can use anyone. Friends, let me pray for us. And Lord, we just give you thanks for your authority over heaven and earth. And there are times that we perhaps don't understand what you're doing in this world, the pain and suffering we experience. But Lord, we just know that you are a good God. We know that you have reclaimed authority over this earth from the evil one and we know how it ends with your return and so lord you've called us 
to spread that good news. You don't do it yourself. You use us to be your hands and feet to proclaim the hope of the gospel to a world that desperately needs you. And so, Lord, with this immense privilege, we want to do it. Please call us to be hands and feet to our neighbours, to our friends, to our family, in our workplaces. Where it be we go to the literal ends of the earth, or it just be we walk across the street. Father, I pray that we go out. The knowledge of your authority is our backing and our guidance as we go and make disciples of all nations. And it's in your name we pray this. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.